Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast, episode number 305 with Kiva. Uh, sorry, I'm going to start that again. I've got that wrong. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast, episode number 305, Kevo Rigby. How are you, Kevo? How you doing? How you doing? What's up, Dale? Oh, mate, I am pumped. Oh, I'm very excited for today. Now, before we get into it, you've been uh, a little bit flustered in traffic, mate. I, I understand busy <laughs> cities. Um, what's made you smile in the last seven days? What's put? What's lit you up? Um, honestly, uh, my my family, my my daughter. I was just telling my daughter that uh, I've been really like happy with the progress I'm making this year. Um, like I told you uh, earlier, we I've been doing a few stage plays and um, just the feedback that I've gotten was a big deal. And the one in particular, one of my older professors, he came to one of my stage plays and he sent me a really long text message. Like I had to scroll to read the message about how impressed he was. So that was very good. It's, uh, it's one of those things. It's always... Uh... It's easy not to send those messages, but it's also easy too. And it, the impact's pretty profound, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. It's a big deal. 100%, mate. Now, we're going to talk about all the great work you're doing now. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate. I get to talk to people like yourself, Kevo. And, like, your story is incredible, mate. Like, grew up, Thank you. you know, you didn't know your parents. You were shot at, sent to jail, yeah. drug dealing, violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now you've completely changed your life. Your inspiration, your professor, playwriter, inspirational artist. Yeah, that's artist. crazy. Mate. That is crazy. So crazy. let's not skip forward. I want to. <laughs> I want to know because, mate, so many people, you know, have a, a rough upbringing, but a lot yeah. don't turn it around and be the super inspiration you are. So yeah. let's. What was? Let's talk more about your childhood, mate. I can imagine oh. it was pretty. It was pretty full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Obviously, I wasn't there when I was born. <laughs> like to remember, I, well, I was, I wasn't, I wouldn't remember exactly what happened when I was born. But my uh, grandfather to- told me this story, and he said, you, "You know, your mother could not take care of you, so they sent you to be an orphan. And while you were in the hospital, your grandmother said, I'll take care of them.' Um, long story short, my mom's sister actually." decided, you know, no, I'll take care of them. And she took me from my, from the hospital and raised me like I was her own. Now we didn't grow up in a, in a, the nicest neighborhood. We grew up in the, in the, in rough parts of Houston. So when I actually met my mother and father, I met them maybe once when I was, before I was 10 years old, it really wasn't a big deal to me because it wasn't normal. It wasn't until adolescence hit to where the emotional, when my emotions start kicking in, that I started to realize, like, or compare with other kids, like, wow, I don't have parents. You know, it, it just didn't hit me until I got a little, a little early teens. So I, I, I kept in communication with my actual parents, but the connection was never there. And um, long, you know, I, I know we we're, we're we're going through this story, but throughout high school is when I really turned to what we would call the street life. I became a a huge product of my environment. And my reason was never like to be cool or to fit in. I did it out of a real necessity for what I thought was was money, uh, a necessity for money. 
And the reason why I say I thought that is because now the way I think when I look back at it, a lot of the things that I was doing, like selling crack cocaine at that time, it wasn't worth it. Like if I can't go back in time and say that I would do that again because it, it ruins the neighborhood um, and the money. I didn't do anything productive with it. All I did was be able to afford to live a life I thought that I wanted. And I mean, I can't take the experience back, which I would I would never say I don't want to experience it because it was I learned a lot of lessons, but um, it definitely helped me cope with with um, the financial need that I that I that I was trying to acquire. Now, with that said, with me being so unloved as a child, I had an advantage selling drugs because I was very cold-hearted. So I didn't have a I didn't have anybody to tell me what to do or to tell me, you know, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that, because I didn't have parents to go home to at night. Me and my aunt, we had a very friendly relationship, but not like a mother-son relationship. So as I got older throughout high school, I kind of did my own. I was known for doing my own thing. Um, fast forward after high school, I, 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 the summer of graduation, I, I didn't go to graduation. I got caught up in, in a robbery mess, an aggravated robbery, which I did not um, get convicted with. I got convicted of assault, not robbery which is the reason why I don't have a felony is because they, after nine months in jail, they changed my charge to assault because they, they said they can't prove he robbed anyone. They can only prove that I fought the person and beat them up. So they changed my charges and those particular nine months in jail were, were so influential because, you know, being in jail, you, you realize how dumb, people are from the streets. You realize how behind we think. And I had a step ahead of a lot of them because I was in jail with people who were like me, who were really, really from the streets. And I was in jail with people who had just gotten in trouble. And, and, uh, and, and it's unfair to the people who had just gotten in trouble because they're not ready psychologically or mentally or prepared for the things that we would do to basically bully them because it's an apex culture at that point. So I spent a lot of my time in jail um, after I realized like it, it ain't really worth it being institutionalized. I spent a lot of my time reading reading about art. I, I honestly, I felt like, all right, you have this ability. Why don't you learn as much as you can about it, right? And uh, recently I retold myself the same thing. Like I, I want to become another level of researcher of my field. Um, like I like I just want to be better. But anyways, while I was in jail, um, I basically researched art. And when I got out of jail, I was back in the street selling drugs. I was at another level now because I was already known. And I still was very, very adopted in the street life. But I ended up getting in a, in a lot of shootouts. And in one of them, I, got, I actually got shot. Which sucked because I kind of skipped this part. I used to actually box like at this boxing gym. But being shot sucked because I got shot here, like in the back of my left elbow. And it sucked because they that, that was the first thing they told me. Like, they were, are you an athlete or something? Because you're not going to be able to do athletic. Because I, I was physically fit, you know, so I guess they could tell. And they were like, the doctor was like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that again. Like whatever you were doing. And, and that, that tore me up. Um, that was, um, one of the saddest moments in, in my life. So I spent the, 
the next couple months rehabilitating, but that week I spent it in the hospital. It was actually, I spent the, I was in the hospital on my birthday. I think it was, I was, I turned 18 in the hospital. So when I get out of the hospital and I've been thinking and thinking and thinking, I still go back to the streets, but I go with a different mentality. I go with the mentality of if I can make enough money to stop doing street stuff, I'm going to do it. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it's just the truth. It's just, you know, it sounds stupid now when I look back at it. But at the time, I was limited in my thinking. I was not um, as aware or conscious as I am now to understand that I, I would have done better not doing it at all because I risked my life to do that. So I ended up continuing to sell drugs. I ended up getting, uh, we call it a trap house. Uh, the trap house got robbed. Uh, it got shot up several times. Uh, and I don't even want to say robbed because nobody took nothing from me. I, it got broken into. It got, got shot up. And I eventually just quit cold turkey. I had a friend of mine. His name was um, Slim. He did tattoos. He used to do all my tattoos. And I would buy uh, drugs from one of his clients. And he was like, man, every time I would go get a tattoo, I would draw it. You know, he was like, man, you draw so good. Like, you should do tattoos. So I bought a tattoo kit and I was already known for selling drugs. So people supported me as, oh, my drug dealer's done his tattoos now. <laughs> and I messed a couple people up for a couple of years and I ended up saving my money. And, and um, I mean, selling drugs teaches you how to save money. So I wasn't hard at that part, wasn't hard. Uh, I ended up um, opening a tattoo studio and, I don't want to say the rest is history, but here we are now, after the success that I've had tattooing, I ended up going back to school, getting my bachelor's, going back to school, getting my master's. Now I'm teaching art and I'm also doing stage plays and movies. And it's it's amazing. Wow, Kevo, I, mate, I've done, as I said, 305 of these. I don't even know where to start with what you've just mentioned. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'm sitting here going, how am I going to even ask a question about that? Um, firstly, yeah. mate, you're a bloody inspiration. Like, uh, that is incredible. The way you can just talk about, you know, all those experiences so calmly, like... Yeah. I've never experienced anything like that, and hopefully I'm not going yeah. to, but the way that you've been able to just pivot so many times and realize yeah. that, I suppose, that self-awareness. Um, I want to go right back to just, you, you know, your childhood and obviously having your aunt, you know, bring you up, um, not yeah. having those parent figures or anything. No, when you when you were 10 and you did meet your parents for the first time, what, like, how was that? Did Was there any sort oh. of, like... Could, are you close with them now or was it just sort of like no we're, we're not we're not my mom my mom is actually dead my mom oh, died last sorry, oh, sorry um, i was i was while she was in a hospital i was um i went to see her a lot so i was one of the people who saw her the most i didn't keep any bad blood in between with me and her we had a very distant relationship we talk sometimes we text sometimes my father same thing if he calls me i'll answer he texts me i'll, I'll respond uh we did have a argument maybe uh i think in the beginning of this year because he was telling people he 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 had raised me and i was like don't call him don't he called me a liar and i was like don't make stuff up like i can't even i can't even name things about him like you know i, can, I don't even know his birthday and stuff like that like he can't name it, it it just got like very awkward but 
I'll explain to you what it was like. Um, it was a, com it, this is like one of the reasons that although I'm not religious, I believe there is a God. Um, this is what it was like. It, at the time when I was younger, it showed me that I was African. I had no idea I was African until I met my dad. Cause I always looked at Africans like, you know, like who are these people? Like they're just different than Americans. I thought I was a black American. My dad is Nigerian. So um, to answer, I'm gonna answer your question. I just have to circle hey, through hey, this. You're right, you're right. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm African, right? You know, that fills a void. I wasn't really concerned about not having a father. Most of my friends didn't have a father, but it was the mother part that really got to me more often than, than I would ever tell people. So after the, that 10-year-old area, that 8 to 11, I was like, okay. I started to pay more attention to things that were from Africa. And this is why this is important. It's because... African-Americans typically or generally have no idea of their history. So it played back in my life three times. That, that, that particular moment played back in high school. I met a girl. I was in a theater class. I will never forget this. And my teacher says, hey, Kevo, Kevin, <laughs> hey, Kevin, that student has the same last name as you. I'm like, it's not a common last name, a regbe. My my father actually changed my name. That's why I met him when I was 10 or 11. He changed my name to Regby. And the girl walks up to me and says, you look like my Uncle Bola. I said, that's my dad's name. And me and her have been like best friends since. <laughs> so that's one re reason. This, this, and despite, we don't even talk to my un her uncle, my dad. We don't even talk to that side of our family as much, you know. So... That was one, that was the, the the second thing. And then third, when I was incarcerated, when I would study art, it always traced back to Africa. And I always found that interesting. It all, somehow art, the art that I was studying, not the entire art history, but the things that I was studying would always get traced back to Africa. And it, it filled me with a, uh, a rage of being miseducated because I was like, this is messed up. Like, how come we don't learn these things about history? How come we don't learn that African history is so rich and so was so prosperous? And why do don't people know how the continent is being treated? And you know, and it and it really sent me on a path to like better myself, you know? So even now my uh art my plays are always educational they're always insightful and they always have some type of um uh i know i kept mentioning africa but i don't want to say that they all have some type of historical lesson you know that that uh underlying sort of education and i suppose that's where yeah. you are where you are now and you know you're actually educating other people kevo like it it makes that sort of whole transition and you know those stories it sort of paints mm -hmm. a picture and forwards yeah. to you know exactly what you're doing now so um yeah, i find that fascinating um 
The next thing I want to know more about it, like is inside jail, because I could imagine that would either break someone, uh, it would turn people to do probably more crime or like with you, it made you have a, like a realization that, you know, there's more to life and you want to change things around. How, like yeah. how hard is jail? Like just what, what's jail, it like, jail, is, jail is tough. This is how you, all right. So I was in a County jail to be clear. I was not in a penitentiary. Right. But people would come from the penitentiary and be like, I want to go back to the pen because it's the 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 rules are so loose in the, in the county jail in Harris County. So people didn't like it. But the reason why jail is tough because there's no preparation for it. You're, you're literally in a apex environment. And what I mean by apex is like dog eat dog. It's a lion's den. The, only the strong survive. You're in an environment amongst people who have more than likely committed several crimes. They just happen to get caught one time. And some of these people, that's why I say more than likely, some of these people are so in their head, afraid of their what their future is going to be, that there's no love, love emotions in there because fear dominates it. There is not at any given second, somebody might just snap because, you know, their life is over anyways. So the frequency is so low. Now, the and this is why I think uh, the jail has a reputation for for knowledge. There's so much leisure that most people in general are very lazy and don't want to read and stuff like that. So. If you give that type of leisure to a bunch of people who are criminals or just uneducated, to be honest with you, or just don't even care about learning anything new, you're going to get chaos. They're either going to become better criminals or they're going to just wake up every day and they have no goals, no mission. It's just what's next today. If somebody mess with me, I'm going to kill them. You have that environment. And you have a very few amount of people who are in there, whether they're trying to be better criminals or not, who are studying with their leisure because they know if they were not, they were in what we call the free world. They know that they don't have that time to reflect or to study. So I was fortunate enough to meet a few cellies. One of them taught me how to play chess and another one taught me how to read law and how to understand reading law in the law library. And all of that kind of kept me away from I had this knack for beating people up. Like I had a knack for I, I just used to like beating people up. So it kept me from especially bullies. So it kept me from scratching that itch to like, all right, I know this this guy thinks he's tough. Let me just beat him up just because when I was younger I would do that, but I mean I'm grown man. Nobody fights anymore. But yeah. So that's what it was like. It's just a it's just a jungle. So it's really, and it's, uh, it's, it's funny that you grow up because you're right. Most people don't fight now just because of it to prove a point, which is, and yeah. again, that's, that's you evolving as a human. But I think what you're sort of mentioning there, Kevo, is that you attract the crowd that will uplift you and you have a choice. Um, it must be extremely hard though, when you've got no one motivating you to do that. Like, and is that sort of one of the big pitfalls of, you know, being in jail that it's all on you and you, you've got all this leisure time. 
It is, but I'm not sure if that affected me because I didn't have it anyways. Like I've always been. So since I didn't have parents, I never understood the whole motivation thing. Like I understand when people call me an inspiration, but I don't, I don't, the, my source was, was never like, you would think, for example, oh, he got a chip on his shoulder. You know, people would tell me that because he didn't have parents, but it's like, like I forgave them when I was a child. Like I, I was, that was my normal, you know, uh, like uh, Bane says in a, in a Batman movie, uh, you, th you think darkness is your, <laughs> like, I was born in the dark. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I come from a, um, a, a, a very, I don't have that mother's, I come from not having that mother's love to being raised in the streets, to selling crack at a young age, to being around gang violence, drug violence all the time, watching people do heroin, crack, crack cocaine in front of me. I come from that as being normal and my curiosity or satisfying my curiosity of just small moments that I've overcome. Like I, I didn't look at an issue in my life and look at it like, oh, this is my life. I always looked at it as something to overcome or some something was always interesting about it. When I got shot, it was like, yeah, this shit sucks. But maybe I could be ambidextrous, you know, and I became ambidextrous. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Kevo, Kevo, mate, like yeah. that, people don't just have curiosity. People aren't, you know, looking at things I, as. I understand, like, that. I understand So that. you're talking about, we're talking about motivation and not having essentially a mother or father figure to motivate you and be those role models. How did you, like, where did this come from? Because the things you're talking about, majority of the population that haven't gone through half of what you have don't have any of that. Like, do you, do, yeah, can you pinpoint it where it comes from? Well, it has to be the engine. It has to be inside of me because I, I don't, I can't find the source. Like I've looked through my life a lot. I've looked through, even my aunt, she doesn't, she claims the same thing. She, she, she told me once, she can't even take credit for raising me because she said she did raise me with love, but she was like the person you are. I didn't tell you to do this. My barber told me this one day. He said, we went to high school together and we sold drugs together. He said, when we were in high school, bro, I used to wonder why you went to school. He said, because if I was you, I would have never went. Nobody told you to go. He said, you used to go to school. You used to go to practice. He said, and you were the last person to leave football practice. He said, you used to stay later to go work out. And he was like, nobody, he's like, he's like, nobody does that. So it has, maybe it's just inside. Um, maybe that's one of my talents. Um, and honestly, I just, it's, it's my normal. I, I hate to, I don't have a formula for it. I, and I hate to um, be that way, but it's, it's just my normal. I just, can, I just always look at the bad and, and, and understand that if it's not for the bad, you, you can enjoy the good. Wow. Um, do people, you know, because people look up to you now, you're inspiring so many. Do people want that magic source? Exactly what you've just spoken about there. Like, because at the end of the day, people want solutions. They want answers. But Well, I'm short. They, I'm short with people. If I sense any BS, I don't, I don't want to involve myself with people any, any longer. I, I kind of, I'm very... Like I have my own goals in life. I'm I'm an artist. I'm full time artist. I have my own children. I have my family. I don't have time to to like to to 
stress or 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 play around over oh that sounds cool that's really dope or what you're doing i really like it i respect it but i don't like hang around trying to be inspiring all the time i just i just go <laughs> yeah well, but, and I, I suppose at the end of the day mate you are inspiring um and that's what you're doing so i i'm a but big i don't fan. Try, but i don't try to i hate you know what maybe i worded that wrong I, I I do try to help people and I'm very I'm very adamant about education and children's education. So I do try to tell people like, you know, I'm I'm one of those people who there's this there's this philosophy in America that people say, oh, everybody doesn't need college or you shouldn't go to school. I'm against that belief. So that is one thing that I'm like, hey, you know, don't ever count school out. Yeah. And and, and you didn't come across like that at all, mate. I I I really gravitate to what you're saying to mean that you are doing you and that's inspiring people by what you've done in your story. And it really is. Um, one thing I'm hugely passionate about is play and being creative and essentially your art and through your plays. And that is the, one of the biggest forms of creative play. Um, when you were in jail and you, like, what made you gravitate to researching and studying art? Like wh where did that come from? Was that, I, I think it was I think it was just out of boredom of of um being around people who were who I felt like were not mentally as aware or sharp as me. Um it, it's it, it just became like all right, so I was around people who would lie about selling drugs and and I and with me selling drugs, I'm listening to them talk and it's like that's not even how that works. So it makes you not want to talk to them. And I was, again, I'm very curious. So it was this guy, he would always play chess by himself. And he was racist. This is funny. He told me he was racist. It was a white guy. He was like, he will always play chess by himself. And so he was, he told me, he said, you're always looking, um, you, you know how to play? We can play. And I said, I don't know how to play. Can you teach me? He said, you know, I don't like black people, right? I said, I don't care. <laughs> he teach me how to play. And he and he and I he wasn't joking. And he was like, yeah, fuck it. But I think it was the same boredom. I think we 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 met at that. These people are idiots <laughs> around us. Let's we get at least cope with that. And he asked me about what I was in jail for. And he asked me, have I been to the law library? I didn't even know what that was. He asked me what I was reading. And he told me, he said, do you know that the only male, because they would deny your mail sometimes. So if a girl would send you naked pictures or something, she would have to do like this or something or, you know, anything. So they would deny a lot of mail. And sometimes it would just be out of spite because we had some shitty correctional officers. And I remember him telling me, do you know that if your family sends you books, they can't deny it? And I was like, what? And my family wasn't big on books, so I told them to print <laughs> some some pages, and it was too many pages. My cousin printed a sentence to me, and the guards, the correction officers, was like, "Yo, you have all these pages, like you know." And I and he actually told me about going there, actually a library in jail, and you could get books sent. And he kind of helped me out. He kind of helped me deal with my boredom. But yeah, it just it, curiosity is my best answer because I'm creative. I'm, 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 I'm right-brained, so I'm creative. And a creative person has to, we get bored. You know, we get bored really fast. So we have to be doing something or creating something. So I was, I was just curious about chess and ran into him. And 
That's well, how it happened. I think uh, Kevin, they're two superpowers. Being curious and then having the ability to be creative with what you know you're able to indulge or create. I, like it's they are two of the biggest skills, particularly if the way the world's changing with AI and all this. That they are superpowers that is going to be amplified more in life. When you are mm-hmm. in flow and you are doing your art, what 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 feelings? What what does that do for you? I'm in the zone, so the feelings don't come until after I'm done. Um, my, 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 this is a print. This is a copy of one of my artworks. It's not even a real one. The actual one I painted in Germany, it's like nine feet wide. It's about four feet tall. It's really big. Um, I'm usually in a zone. My girl tells me all the time, like she loves to see me when I'm in my, my zone. Cause I'm so like one track minded. I can't even tie my shoes at the same time. <laughs> so there is no real, real feeling. It's, uh, I'm just completely dedicated to to being better and that um if i if i had to describe that it would be i realized how much of the world i didn't know about when i was younger and how many mistakes i was making in the streets and i've since then i've constantly been trying to overcome that um so it's not like i'm i'm a i guess that would be the the best answer for this overall conversation that we've been trying to get to about the motivation part. Like, but, but, but even before then I was always, always motivated to do something, you know, I I get that. And um, a lot of, you know, people paint or do art or creative things for different reasons, you know, like Mm -hmm. it could be to show motivation, could be to curious, could be to let out pain. Is that, is that ever anything like that through your art, you're able to sort of, let go of your story that you explained at the start because I'm I'm guessing nah, there's a little nah, bit of pain. Is there any pain? No, nah, I took the bad with the wow. good. The, the, Evo, the so amazing. I, I'm not I'm not making this up either. So there's the the reason why there's not there's no negative emotions that I could describe is because I clearly understand what was happening. I I'll give you an example. Um there have been times that I've read about how the FBI or COINTELPRO or how the government has strategically did things to particular people, whether they be Native American, African American, Japanese. I've seen I've seen these things happen. Or even even we're on a worldwide, on a global scale, Jewish people uh, on a, on a on a on a on a grander scale that, that that's more widely known and. And the way I've dealt with it is the more knowledgeable I was about my history. And I'm very curious. And the more I learned, the more I start to understand that I was a dumbass. <laughs> that I was, <laughs> but not only was I a dumbass, I was also kind of placed here, unfortunately, by some circumstances that were not in my favor. You know what I mean? Like uh for some people use slavery as an excuse. The difference between me and others is I don't let those things get to me. I I want to do whatever I can to overcome those obstacles. Well, that's very impressive. But at the end of the day, we normally are a reflection of our environment. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm guessing... I, I don't know anyone that's grown up, you know, in, in that your situation or that from the streets, particularly in America with all the crime and gangs. But... It, that's just it's just a natural progression realistically isn't it that mm-hmm. and very few 
like particularly all the people you went to school with. I know you're saying your barber was one of your friends and so forth like that. But what's the out of all those people, like how many go down that path, you know, that you did and went to jail and different things like that? Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody really. Well, someone go to jail and stuff, but nobody really did what I did. I, I can't say that. Um, but yeah, a lot of people went down the wrong path, which is, which is normal, but, and they overcame it in different ways, but maybe not to the level that I did. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, but it's really interesting because, you know, you talk to a lot of people that have had some sort of adversity in their life. Like they've gone through, I don't know, they've had, and something happened, whereas you've had mm-hmm. multiple, multiple things happen and to bounce back out the other side, um, it's, I don't know, I find it really fascinating because people struggle, they go through different things, but it's how they use that struggle to bounce back. Whereas your story, your whole life's been a struggle and it's yeah. like, you just keep yeah. building on that. Do you, yeah. do you, like, Kevin, do you think, sit back and be like bloody proud of what you've done? Like, do you allow that to happen? Well, well, this year I did because my girl finally convinced me. We, we, we've been together for a while. She finally convinced me to pat myself on the back. Good. And this year when I did, um, I, I, I wrote a play, which I, it's a beautiful play. And, um, I actually made the script available on Amazon. It's a, because the, the totality of the script, what it means is so big of a deal to me for African-Americans that I had to publish it as a, so people could see it. And I, people were so impressed with that play. The one, this is how we started our conversation. Yeah. Um, people were so impressed with it that people were sending me messages and emails. And I never really like, I put the work in, but I didn't think that that was going to be the response. So this year, I finally I did. I actually was like, you know what? I did a good job. <laughs> I did a good job. <laughs> but yeah. not just, and and not just... nobody could have, and I feel like this, nobody in the world could have wrote, written my play, What Do We Do Now? It's titled, What Do We Do Now? I don't, it's so Kevo. It has, it's, it's, it's about an African-American family that lives in 1965, but they go through issues from 1940s to 2000. So for they go through six decades of issues in one year, which is 1965, which is the year after the civil rights movement in America. Wow. So, so yeah. But, so people can check that out on Amazon and I'll have links in the show notes for that as well. But um, not just proud of, you know, the work you've done, but are you proud of the person you are? Because I think at the end of the day, that's more important than anything you can create. Definitely. I, I agree with you. I, and I and I like to support stuff that has good representations of people, especially people with integrity. So I like to join to get on podcasts with people who I view them as like, you know, they watch their language. They don't you know, they they stand for something. I, I try not to 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 imitate anything fake. I, I, I try not to make fake interviews online. I try not to let social media get to me because I want people to understand that that um you can be authentic in life and and still live your truth, you know? So I definitely am proud of the person I became. I wouldn't never thought you go back and ask that 10 year old me, would you be teaching in college one day? Do you think you'll be teaching art? I would have never said yes. I don't care how many different scenarios my brain was not there yet. So yeah, definitely proud of myself. Well, you should be mate. It's uh, (laughs) seriously blown me away today. Do you find um, and I, I try and not judge. I'm like you. I try and be curious. But when I, you know, spoke to you, I wanted you on the podcast. I read mm-hmm. 
you, your, your story, your background, it's, it's hard not to judge or different things. Do you find people have an opinion of you before they meet you? Oh. definitely even you can sometimes you can sense it when you have a high frequency or high energy like me you can sense it and or and i've been blocked from a lot of stuff we haven't even we don't even have time for that but i've been like people have literally told me like hey this person didn't want to involve with you because of this or this person i, I remember I, I applied to do a to do an art studio and somebody denied me because they said they felt like I would try to steal the show. I'm like, I don't even think <laughs> like that. <laughs> like, that's not even how my brain operates. Like, but I, yeah, like definitely people judge me for different things from my past, from my, you, you're going to be judged being black in America, most places, especially in the South, either way. So yeah, from that. And um, even with me doing tattoos, I got judged a lot. One of the, one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard was through a podcast interview that I canceled, actually. A lady told me she was interviewing me for my play and she emailed me and said, is this your website? And I said, yes. And she said, where's the play? And I said, the play is on a different website for the theater. They have that website. And she said, oh, we don't interview tattoo artists. I was like, what does me doing what does me knowing how to do tattoos have anything? She was like, we we interview producers. I was like, just cancel the interview. Yeah. So yeah, I get yeah, I get stupid judgments all the time. Mm. Oh, mate, well, you, you've bounced back from it. I suppose before we wrap up, because I'm aware of your time and uh, everything like that, and you've given so much. You've given you've been amazing, mate. Um, what advice you know, like because. People, as, as I spoke about before, people are in all different stages of life. You know, some are thriving, some yes. are thriving, some are some are really struggling. Do you know what I mean? Like from mm -hmm. everything you've gone through, you know, in your life to date, which is probably 15 lifetimes for most people, um, what advice can you give for people? Like, is it to be curious? Is it to be non-judgmental? Is it to be, you know, those things are spoken about today? I think that if somebody's watching this and the way that I feel right now, what what's, what what is my spirit is telling me to say, is that if you are going through something, just educate yourself about what you're going through. The more aware you are about a thing, the easier it is to understand or cope with. I've seen people play with the crocodile hunter. I see him play with animals that are completely dangerous, but he's so <laughs> educated about them, he has no fear. So, you know, you can do that. And you can also, anybody that you look up to or you're interested in i've learned more in reading biographies than i have in any other type of book it doesn't matter if it's self-help reference um history i've learned more reading people biographies than i have in arnold schwarzenegger has like one of the, the greatest biographies of all time like it, it's amazing to 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 it, it will help you cope with that feeling that people get about where do I, what do I do? And you, cause it gets, to, you get to gauge yourself amongst other human beings. Everybody's going through it. You know, <laughs> everybody's going through it or been through it. Yeah. And I think that is very true that, uh, you know, people learn through stories or people learn through somebody that's gone through that same situation. And I can guarantee you know, that 
people haven't all gone through your story, mate, but the way, <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm not often on speeches, mate, but I'll tell you what, you've rocked me a little bit today, particularly that first story. I, I was literally sat here thinking, what am I going to say? Like, it's yeah. incredible. So oh, for me you, personally, mate, like, bloody impressive. You're a superhuman. Um, I knew I'd really enjoy talking to you and your story, but, uh, I think your messaging and everything you're doing, mate, is fantastic. And um, being the person you are is helping so many other people. Like you said, you know, reading biographies of other people and learning through them. Well, just the way you're leading from the story you've had is mm -hmm. so impressive. So if people want to check out your art, your tattoos, everything like that, where's the best place to go? My website, artbykevo.com. That's the best way to check out anything I got going on. It's going to be on my website. Perfect. Well, this is episode number 305, listeners. I'll have links for that. Um, so you can go and check out Kevin and just reach out to him because bloody hell, mate, uh, <laughs> you have impressed me today. Um, and uh, keep keep doing what you're doing because well, mm -hmm. the more people that can hear your story, the better. Um, I've had a very privileged life compared to what you have. And it just makes me realize that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you're going through. Don't judge anyone and you can make whatever you want if you put the work in and you have. So um, from a from a little kid down under here, um, you should be really proud of what you've done, Kevo. Thank you so much, man. No worries.